ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. The Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking Can-Am Soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. Hey, Todd, how you doing, buddy? Good, Jeremy. How you doing? Oh, I'm great. Really good. It's been the uh, end of another week. It's kind of nice. Right? It's actually a good time to record on Fridays, isn't it? Because it gives us events throughout the, the week that we can actually talk about. Yeah. But no matter what day you record, you've got seven preceding days. So yeah, this is true. Just this depends. is true. Yeah. But you would forget. I think if you recorded like on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Or Wednesday, you would forget what you did last week after the show mm-hmm. and only remember like post weekend, you know, highlights of the weekend and post weekend. Yeah, if true. you have a normal life, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. every day is a Sunday for me. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Must be nice. Hey, no, no. <laughs> and I will Been, tell uh... you what's even worse. Now, in theory, it sounds good. But it is absolutely my wife. <clears throat> uh, when a, she's resigning, oh, is she? You know, from the Pentagon job. Yeah, and uh, she got a lot of leave uh, saved up. So this Monday or last Friday was her last actual working day, and through September. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so all week it's just been, yeah, you're not there on the other end of that couch all day. Mm-hmm. Why are you here? That's funny. <laughs> so she hasn't she hasn't gone back to in-person work, has she, yet? No. Yeah. Is anybody there? Or is everybody the panel? Oh, yeah. Just... Um, it has fluctuated. Okay. And it depends on what office or, you know, because there's a bazillion different divisions and offices within the Pentagon, but, uh, and where she worked, uh, everyone in the office that was, uh, higher up, Mm -hmm. you know, higher ranking than her were just completely stupid. And I'm not joking about that. I'm not trying to, over-dramatize and be shocking. No, they were stupid. Um, they couldn't follow the rules to save their life. Uh, the uh, chief of staff for this particular office, um, we'll say, I'm not, I don't want to say what her name is, but we'll say it rhymes with Julie. Okay. <laughs> and she could not follow statute regulation or common sense if she had a gun to her head. Hmm. Uh, she's fiscally irresponsible. Uh, breaks the, I mean, there are laws governing how you spend taxpayer money, particularly in travel. Nope, nah, don't care what those say. Um, we're going to do what we want to do. Hmm. Um, yeah, and it just, it was given uh, the wife gray hair, so I told her uh, quit before she even got that job, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, extra money is okay, but we don't need it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not worth the stress for her, so. Yeah. But no, no. she's, uh, after four, no, Monday, Tuesday, and then halfway through Wednesday, she, and then she started looking for local jobs just to have something to do. Oh, okay. <laughs> right on. Uh, yeah, yeah, I get that. I think that would be the hard thing. Like, I'm a long ways away from ever thinking about retirement, but I think that would be the hard thing is to transition from, you know, you always have something that, that's required of you. You have something you're supposed to be doing, and then all of a sudden it's like, I really don't have to do anything if I don't want to, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, and you've got kind of the best of both worlds. You still work because you want to work, but you're at home, mm-hmm. you know. So you're not you're not going out into the workforce dealing with stupid. Yeah, you're at home dealing with customers, which is stupid. But anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. No, they're any customers. <laughs> I, I apologize <laughs> greatly. No. no, I would say I definitely have way better. I, I don't know. I there's a certain sense where I think anybody that wants one of my knives, it's because they've seen my YouTube videos and it, it sounds weird. And, and I don't even know if I should say this, but you know, it's not like I'm, I feel, and it, this isn't true. Like I sort of feel that I'm not competing with other knife makers. Right. I know I am hundred percent, but at, at the same time, so like with my wife's Etsy shop, um, she'll get requests from people to do, you know, she has these decals and it's like a hockey player uh, kind of from behind. It's kind of like a silhouette thing and you can put the name and the number and, you know, they're like, I think it's like six bucks or seven bucks American for this, maybe four inch by four inch decal, whatever. And people will be like, oh, can you put the ponytail on the other side? Like if it's a girl hockey player, can you put the ponytail on the other side and can you change the font to this? Can you do this for this? And you know, like Steph will do these, if she's not busy, she'll like, okay, fine, whatever, whatever. And I always tell her, say, there's no design work for free. Like if they want to customize it moderately, like it's really not difficult to do, but only after they've placed the order. Right. And you know, it's funny cause back and forth, back and forth. And then people, and then Steph finally said, I said, this one guy since the beginning of July has been messaging her about this, or I think it was July 10th or something. And he, I think he made seven changes and stuff's just like, this is getting too much. I said, just tell him, say, no, I have at this point, I put in all. And, and so it's, she, she worded something like this at this. He said, can I get another uh, proof to see how that looks? And she just said, at this point, I've put in all the work that I'm willing to do for a $7, for a sub $10 decal. You know, uh, if you'd like to place the order, I'll make sure you're happy with it before I send it to you. But um, it's funny because <clears throat> there's a certain sense where if you, if, if, on her shop, if it's not like super great, amazing service, people will just be like, I'm going somewhere else. Right. Whereas people are, if I tell them, say, Hey, can I get a knife? I'll be like, yeah, it's going to be eight months at the earliest. So, oh, that's fine. I'll pay for it right now. You know what I mean? It's really weird. And so I would say I, I by far, I can't believe how amazing my customers are. I don't know if I've ever had a single bad customer with my knife stuff. Even ones that I've, uh, there's one gentleman <laughs> ordered a knife and I don't know what went on. I sent him the wrong, like I made him the incorrect knife, uh, the wrong model. And it was just when I was super swamped and he says, Oh, this is great. You know? And, um, 
I, I think they're priced right around the same. And he just let me know. He says, I'm so happy with this. He says, is it possible that I could order another one too and get, and I said, listen, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll send that one back and I'll make your, he goes, no, no, I want to keep this one too. He goes, if I can get more knives from you, the better. Right. And, um, yeah. It's, and then there's one gentleman, uh, I've had two, I think these are the two that I, that I know of where I made his knife twice and I sent one to him. And again, we're super busy. And I think it was like three weeks later, I sent it to him again because I forgot to type in, I forgot to enter the shipping information into my, my web store. And then that would have showed me that this order has been completed. So I was just going through, I'm like, oh crap, I thought I made that. I better whip this one up. So I sent him the same knife again. <laughs> and he's like, oh, this just made my day. He goes, let, let me, let me uh, PayPal you the money. He goes, I'm so excited. He goes, I love that knife so much. Having an extra one is just like icing on the cake. And I said, no, oh. I said, I feel bad. I feel like I'm guilting you into, <laughs> you know what I mean? You send somebody a knife and like, oh, you want to pay me now? And, uh, and I said, no, I said, I can't, I can't make you do that. And he's like, no, no, I want to absolutely. And, but man, I've, I've never, I don't know if I've ever had a bad customer. Like someone who's like, Hey, you're late with my, and I've been late with knives lots, but nobody's been like, where's my knife? Like, it's unbelievable. I, I don't understand it. So I guess that part of my job dealing with customers, it is not bad at all. It's probably, you know, it's, if I had to go into the real world <laughs> and, uh, Man, I'd, I'd have a hard time because I'm, I don't know, it's crazy. It's crazy. That's my second cup of coffee. I'm still on my first. Oh, no. That's no good, Todd. <clears throat> oh, so what's been happening? You've been doing much this week? <clears throat> Made, uh, Carolina pulled pork, oh. uh, coleslaw, and baked beans all from scratch. Oh, wow. Um, and it took a long time for me to come up with a good Carolina pulled pork, even being from North Carolina, because so many people think that, oh, that's mustard-based. No, it isn't. Stop it. That's South Carolina. Just stop. Um <laughs> It's not, it's vinegary based, but not over vinegar. And that's where a lot of people make the mistake. Um, is they make it just taste like pork soaked in vinegar. Mm. No, it's just supposed to be a tangy vinegary background flavor that makes you go, Hmm, what is that? You know? Mm -hmm. And so you barbecue yours or smoke it or what? pulled pork i have done it barbecued i have done it hot smoke cold smoke crock pot i've done it all kinds of different ways right mm -hmm. what i have found to be the closest thing that puts me right into the the flavor profile i'm looking for is you get a boston butt you put a, a special rub all over barbecue seasoning rub that i got Mm -hmm. Put together and put it in a Dutch oven, a cast iron Dutch oven, mm -hmm. uh, you know, porcelain like a Lake Crusade yep. and uh, low and slow, mm. uh, yeah. 275 or lower, you know, yeah. five, six hours, mm. let it cool. Uh, then you, uh, across the grain, you come up with about one inch 
pieces, and then you pull that apart. Yeah. Um, and then separate from that, I take a, uh, a really good quality barbecue sauce, and I take uh, an amount of that, right? Mm-hmm. And I shake it with an amount of uh, apple cider vinegar mm-hmm. and uh, red pepper flakes. Mm. And it'll come out not clear like or that uh, uh, brownish clear of the apple cider vinegar, mm-hmm. but it doesn't look like barbecue sauce either. Somewhere in between. Mm. Uh, very, very runny, though, which is what it's supposed to be for Carolina pulled pork. And then you just put enough on there. Meat soaks it up, but there's nothing extra. Yeah. It's not glossy. And uh, you put that on the bottom bun of a bun. Mm-hmm. You put coleslaw on top and then the top mm-hmm. bun and snap. Nom, uh, nom, 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 nom. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I think we should just call this. This should be just a food podcast ultimately because <laughs> I think we spend more time talking about flavors and food than anything else. Oh, man. And. It's highly non-offensive. Well, maybe it is if you're vegan or something, but... <laughs> oh, man, that sounds delicious. You know, I don't recognize those people. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I look human. at them, I'm like, what are you? I don't, I don't get... No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. My sister's gone you know, vegetarian now. <laughs> I just heard a scientist, a literal scientist, has got a PH, one PhD and three master's degrees, right? In different things, closely related to uh, uh, physiology and nutrition. And he said after 30 years of work, I mean real work, study, and education, because he was uh, doing work in his scientific field while he was still pursuing his degree, his advanced degrees. Mm -hmm. He said about 30 years in... He went from being, uh, started off as a vegan, then he became a vegetarian. Now he's a carnivore. <laughs> it's funny. I said, it's not that, you know, uh, eating animals really, uh, you know, I guess looked appetizing to him. He said, it tastes good, but, you know, and it's not the reason. Reason is, you know, I looked at this scientifically and realized that, you know, humans are meant to be omnivores. Mm-hmm. Not not all meat and not all veggie. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and, then, and then, you know, give ourselves, um, Todd and Jeremy, a pat on the back. He ended it, that, that thought, with this. And... What kind of proteins, fruits, and vegetables you eat, and in what proportions depend greatly upon the geographic region your people are from. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Duh. Maybe he you listens know, to a podcast. If you're in 1650s uh, and you live in Sweden, you're not going to be eating Japanese vegetables. Yeah. Much. No, no uh, bok choy for you. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. You're going to yeah. be eating salt fish and, and taters. Yep. Man, we have, uh, speaking of, of Japanese, like, vegetables, we've got these markets in Calgary called TNT Supermarket, and they're Asian supermarkets. And full-on Asian, like, I think every time I've been there, like, like Steph and I have gone in, we've been the only white people. 
and literally there's hundreds of people. They are busy. They are packed. Like even all the signage in the store is, I don't know what it is, what type of Asian it is, but it's, it's Asian. And man, some of the food that they have and some of the live fish, fish I've never seen before, like in a National Geographic. And these people are like buying them to eat at home. Man, so we go in there to get ramen noodles because they've got like fresh made ramen. Making making your ramen noodles, that's it takes a while, right? It's not hard, but it, it's time consuming. And sometimes we'll be like, like Sundays if we want to put on a, an actual big ramen, like and if, if we have time for it, um... Uh, it's like, oh, let's just grab and pick up some noodles if we're driving by. And, uh, yeah, we were in there a couple of weeks ago. It's just, man, first of all, the parking lots. And this, this may, people may think this is terrible, but so at least let, let's just say the people that choose to shop at this store do not know how to drive cars. Do not. Like, I think in, in the time we were trying to get into this parking lot and find a, a parking spot, there was like three or four, uh, little tiny mini traffic jams in this parking lot because people don't know what they're doing. And one person will go to turn here and the next person will kind of turn here and the way they do it, they kind of block box each other in and then someone will come behind them. And the next thing you know, they're all getting out. They literally get out of their vehicles and they're trying to point and then they start arguing with each other. Who's going to go which way so that this person can move and that person can move. And then this person, and this person can get a unbelievable, man. It is insane. I almost blew my top, man. When I went to that store, I was so angry. I'm like, oh, I was, I was mad. But uh, it's so fun going in there. And like soy sauces, they'll have, I don't know, there's probably like 20 or 30 different types of soy sauce to choose from. You name it, any Asian flavors there they've got. And some of them smell so good. And some of them, like some places you walk by and you're looking for the mold on the meat. But interesting cultural experience for sure. But yeah. Yeah, I went to a Asian market in a foreign country one time. Mm. One time. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you see the skinless dried monkey Ugh. hanging in the window. You're like, oh, I, I just can't. And yeah. I leave. Yeah. Because you, you do a double take and you're like, is that a infant or a monkey? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh. When I was in Russia, we had the... Uh, down the street from where I lived, there was a butcher shop and thought, you know, let's go. We're good. We're going into like, we're kind of like in the residential areas. We're kind of going into downtown to do some shopping and tourism stuff. And I thought, you know, why don't we uh, see if they have like pepperoni sticks that we could take for lunch? Cause we didn't have a lunch with us and we didn't want to be bothered going to a restaurant. And we went in there and they got these big pieces of meat, like, you know, ribs and, and sides of animals and cats walking all over them, all over the meat. And I went in there, and it smells like, you know, if you've been to pretty much any butcher shop outside of North America, they smell like actual butcher shops, right? Like, we're, I think we're a little too sensitive here that if we smell a little off-putting meat that we just can't eat that. Whereas that's, that's kind of how it is in the rest of the world, and nobody cares, right? Oh, I walked in there, and it smelled like carcasses, and oh, I had to leave. It was so disgusting. But, like, even in the, you know, you, you got the the counter, the glass counter where you stand and they got all the, there's cats sleeping in there on top of meat. I didn't see any of them eating it, but they're literally laying on top of the meat. That's disgusting. Well, yes. And can, for two reasons, they only have cats in there to keep the rats out and cats pee on everything. Yeah. The market is theirs. Yeah. I hate cats. 
I hate cats. You know, there's a, like mayonnaise, there's a time and a place for a cat. (laughs) You know, a barn cat you never see, but you know there's no mice in your barn. Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Yeah, no, cats are jerks. You know, so I, I'm I'm with you. Like like we got a cat and we have it for mouse control. That's the only reason. The problem we run into here is that our neighbors, well, one of my neighbors, uh, she has what she calls her cat house, and it was like an old wooden shed from like the an original farmstead or whatever, like old. You know, it was probably built in the fifties. It's almost falling apart. But she takes cat food out there and. I don't know how many cats she has. I would venture to say 10 to 20 cats that live there. Uh, a cat, uh, we were sure it was a cat just because of evidence. We lost three chickens a couple weeks ago. And some of these cats that she has, they are big. Like, like they look like medium-sized dogs almost. Like, I don't know how much they weigh, but crazy. So anyways, we have our cat. and It's a female, and she's really good about sticking around the house. And then every now and then we'll see one of our neighbor's cats here and I'm, I like at night on our front porch and I got to chase it away. And then oh, our cat's pregnant. So right now we have four kittens and now they're at the point where they're actually eating food. And it's like, I, I don't want this. I, I don't want more cats here. You know, I maybe. Would, now, see, if I can catch our barn cat, it's going to get fixed and then I'll put it back out in the barn. Yeah, That'll be yeah. the the... You know, any of the wildcats around here. Yeah, they can do it. How they're going to get fixed or put down, you know, because yeah. that's the way it should be. I should see how much it costs to get a cat fixed, a female. See, males will It depends will, on where will, you're at, but yeah. normally it's either free, 40 bucks, you know. <clears throat> a lot of vets will do that stuff for free to keep the population down. Yeah. Uh, now, if you come in with you know, a cat or a dog, kitten or a puppy, and they know you love them, you know, they're going to make up their money on you. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But I think it was 150 <laughs> bucks last time I had a dog fixed. Uh, and that would, that would have been Sandy uh, almost 20 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know what's funny with our little dog, Henry? He's a Morky, so Maltese, Yorkie cross. And... We got him fixed, got him neutered, and after we got him neutered, he, he became a barker. Before that, he would never bark. And he was just kind of, what, if somebody, you know, rings a doorbell or if I, you know, drove my truck home and then came up the front steps, he would run to the door and just kind of look at me. And after, after he, he lost himself, lost his manhood, man, he is so much more aggressive in the barky way. And it it's so annoying, like... I, I work in the garage and the garage is attached to the house and I'm the one like 99% of people walking through that door. It's me. I'm coming in and it doesn't matter. Every time I open that door, <laughs> comes to the door barking and then I'm like, Henry, and then he stops, right? But I'll like open the door. <laughs> just like, dude, what happened? I guess he's just bitter that, that he lost his manliness. No, no, I can tell you. What? Exactly. Uh. A dog that uh, has not been fixed, uh, intact dog. Yeah. You know, they want you to, you know, they're going to be, shh, let him in. I'm going to bite him. I'm going to teach him with my teeth not to come in here. You think so? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when you fix them, what they're yapping is they're screaming at the door, don't come in. I don't have the nuts to mess with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't do my job. Stay out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's a funny little dog. Old Hank. He's, oh, man, he's weird. Uh, but, yeah. No, that's a good idea. I should get my cat fixed because. Unless you're an s- active breeder of dogs or cats, any animal like that you own should be fixed. Yeah, yeah. Todd's opinion. But yeah. it's the right opinion. And it's Bob Barker's opinion, too. Well, you know. <laughs> isn't that he, isn't he the one that always said, have your dog oh, yeah. spayed or neutered? Yeah. 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 Um. Oh, speaking of like Bob Barker Hollywood stuff, well, I maybe I shouldn't say. Well, I'm I'm going to. It hasn't happened yet, but there is somebody who's involved with set design uh, in Los Angeles that w- wants to get some stuff from my wife's Etsy shop and wants her to sign a release that they're allowed to use it in the film in in the show. So that's cool. That's all. Uh, if it happens, I'll I'll say more it's a it will be a very very big show it's not a no-name thing it's like a-list celebrities i don't know what the role of what she's going to make is going to be and how prominent it will be but uh she said they're just finishing the set design and then they'll send over the paperwork that you know they're allowed to have it on show her products on the show and that we won't we don't need any numeration from them or anything like that well that's kind of cool if these are a-listers and is that big of a show no, throw me a bone. Yeah. Jerks. Yeah, I guess. It's what angers me about rich people. They're the cheapest people on earth. Yeah, but see, it's the talent that gets the money in in Hollywood. And and Steph Talent's getting what? Well, she, you know, peanuts. Nah, we're, it's going to be an integral part of this design. No, I don't know if it's it going to be. be no. key to the plot. Come no, on, work with me here. Work <laughs> no, with me here. <laughs> If I told you what it was, it'd be like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> but, but here's the thing is that now with this product, this thing that she has, she, if they use it, I mean, this is all in the future. I mean, the conversation's been started and they said they're going to get back to us. So that could be nothing. Uh, but if it ever did happen, then I told Steph, I said, you make sure you have a screen grab of that. And you say, as seen on the net series, uh, Netflix hit series, blah, 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 with this person and this person to Big stars. You know, that's awesome for your store. Like literally it's like, Absolutely. yeah, this was actually this was my product that was on there and you can you can own the exact same thing made by the same person in the same basement outside of Strathmore, Alberta. <laughs> you know, we did, uh, have you ever been to Hollywood, like an actual studio or anything like that? Not in Hollywood, but I've been to two movie studios. <clears throat> it's a wild world, isn't it? Did- Sorta. Did you ever see the show Seventh Heaven? Yeah. So after September 11th, you know, they couldn't, it was actually a fairly short time, but you weren't allowed to film anything at airports. And previously what they would do if they had airport scenes, they would find some small, especially like even California, there's so many of these little tiny airports sprinkled around and they would just kind of rent one for a while, rent a terminal and uh, film it in there, but they weren't allowed. So we had his job going to Long Beach and it was a really small carousel. Long Beach is a really small little airport. And the studio called us, the, whoever it is that produces Seventh Heaven, they said, listen, we can't film in airports right now. And the season finale, the show called The Ring, 
a lot of it was set in an airport and it's it's a big enough thing that we can't change it. Do you rent carousels? Like, do you rent airport equipment? And my dad's like, what are you talking? He's like, we could build the set. We can build an airport. We've got a warehouse, but we don't have a carousel. And so <laughs> we were really busy at the time. Obviously, it's September 11th. You know, everybody's like, like afterwards, everybody's like updating with explosive EDS systems and stuff. And, uh, and he, he didn't want this job. And he thought, well, you know what? With the time, he said, when do you want it? And the timing was so that uh, they wanted it three weeks before Long Beach job was supposed to install. So he thought, well, you know what? If we can actually send it there, we'll let them use it for a bit, disassemble it, and then install it at Long Beach. So he, but he didn't want to, right? He's like, we're too busy. I was working in Burbank at the time. And uh, no, I wasn't. I just got, I forget. Anyways, um, so he gave him a price that was twice what we sold it to the airport for. And they said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they shipped it down there. I flew in there and then they, we said, how many guys do we need to install? He said, we just need one person that knows what to do. And so, uh, my dad came a couple of days after I was there to, to hook up all the controls. At that time I didn't do a lot with the controls, but when we got there, we had the semi truck pull in. Normally you'd have a forklift. And I said, oh, how are we going to unload this? He goes, well, what do you, where do you want it? And I said, oh, so we just need it over in that warehouse there. And he goes, guys, come over here. And literally there's about four people, un, uh, sorry, 40 people unloaded the semi-truck. And, and most people would just have a fork. There's like ants and they're all sitting watching TVs and there's like, guys, we've got work to do. And when there's work to do, boom, they go. And those are those like union guys, right? One of the most desirable jobs in the world is those guys make huge money. They don't do a lot of work, but it's like, oh, we need to move. We need to take this set down. Then they go, 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 go. But then they literally get paid to wait around for the next three days while they build the new set. You know, it was so cool. It was really neat to see the inner workings of that whole world. And then all their different sets. Uh, like there's an attic from that show. And that was like a dedicated set. And like I was walking around and hanging out in all the sets. It was pretty neat to see. Fun stuff. Yeah, I went to one of the one of the two uh, movie studios. I went to, I went to audition. Really? Yep. And they wanted it because it's not in America, and they wanted like l people they could just throw a hundred bucks at, or you know, a hundred quid at, and you know, no union, no contract, no nothing. Yeah. Because uh, <clears throat> it was very low budget or Endeavor, but humongous name and uh, director, producer, in a couple of the actors. In fact, the director of this project was doing it for free, uh, and he was the number one, uh, may still be the number one director on Earth. Who's that? Uh, Spielberg. Oh, wow. But any and his name is nowhere on the movie, huh? Uh, he uses a uh, an alias, I guess. But anyway, did you get the um, role? Do what? Did you? Act, did you actually? Get no, the role? no, 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 no. Um, I was. They they told me, oh, you're just at the at the cutoff. Oh crap. And because they wanted people that could act that had never that naturally act, you know, yeah. because it wasn't, uh, they wanted, uh, it would be like if they were filming a scene in a movie of, uh, at a plant that made airport carousels, 
You know, oh, okay. Yeah. You want people acting, building the carousels, and interacting with one another like, you know, they're supposed yeah. to. Yeah, like they're actually doing the work. Yeah. Yeah, and <clears throat> and it was at a time when I was uh, dipping my toe into the stand-up comedy world. Oh yeah. And all through high school, I always wanted to act, but yeah, that wasn't something you did and not get beat up for, you know, on the school bus or something. Yeah. So didn't want to do it then. But anyway, hmm. um, so I went and, and then because, of you know, I must have been right at the cutoff for the number of people they wanted because the second time uh, I actually got a, got contacted to, hey, you know, we remember you from this. Can you go, uh, if you want, audition for this? They sent me a page out of, uh, you know, they're just, it's a fake script, you know, just lines. And mm-hmm. that lays out the situation. And the crazy thing was you were acting against a cardboard cutout. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's funny. And uh, I did uh, pretty well at that on that second interview. But then this first Gulf War broke out and, you know, Mm. And since I was in the military. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, they had the Gulf War trading cards and uh, of all sorts of things. So you could buy, you know, all the equipment had their own trading card, picture of an action on the front, and then specs on the back. Man, me and my cousin were so into those. And the Desert Storm, and it's, oh, man, I remember. I wish I'd still had those cards. I don't know what happened to them, but, man, we thought it was the coolest thing. You know, to be playing cards with the different guns, and, and oh, man, that had been so cool. Probably worth a bit of money now, maybe. Maybe not. Probably I'm not. A, there was yeah. so much of those things printed. Yeah, yeah. And who knows? <clears throat> you know what's funny is I always think um, – you know, if you have something that you've been collecting or, or you find something and I'm always like, oh, this has got to be worth a lot of money and how <laughs> little it is. Like I was doing some major cleanup in the garage one afternoon this week and I was like, oh, I'm just going through stuff. And I had, I found these, I don't even know where I got them from. Uh, but you remember when cigarettes used to come in round tins, kind of like a little coffee can? Uh, not in this country. Okay. So this is a <laughs> thing. Uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of like a you shrink down a coffee tin so that it's as high as like a cigarette height, and I think I don't know you'd fit two hundred cigarettes in here, and they're in these round tins, and uh, I've got a couple of them. They've just got bolts. One of them's got like ball bearings, like one inch ball bearings. I don't know what I'm going to use them for, but it'd be fun to throw out something. And uh, this one that I have is a player's extra light, and it's in very nice condition. And I'm like, this is actually really good shape. And so I was like, ah, let me see how much this is worth. And so I, I just look on eBay, right? Like cigarette tins. And it's like it's like thirteen to fifteen dollars. I'm like, never mind. It's not it's not worth the time it would take to just try and sell this thing. I'll just keep storing ball bearings in it. But you man, every could now, do. What's that? You could uh make canister Damascus with it. Yeah. And <laughs> uh do one of these uh quote unquote three or five hour Forging challenges that these knife makers are doing or were doing, yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're just totally fake, in my opinion. Why do you think so? 
Well, if you start your video on a three-hour foraging challenge in one set of clothes, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's daylight outside. Yeah. And you finish it in a completely different set of clothes. You're clean, and it's nighttime. Um, yeah. I'm waving the flag on that. So yeah, I mean, some people do it. Do fake it. Uh, if you you know who Toby is? Uh, have you heard of the Toby Fire and Steel podcast? Of course I have. Yeah. So he did a forging challenge, but he did the entire thing. He streamed the whole thing live on YouTube. And so he's got like a three and a half YouTube video. Obviously, fantastic. Well, see, if you're going to do a three-hour challenge and you don't want people to think you're faking it, That's why wouldn't do. you do it that way? Yeah. Incredibly boring, though. Like, you watch it. And he said the, the bummer about doing and that's why he did it. He said, I'm doing this just for legitimacy purposes. But he says, you know, between heats, there's only so much entertaining I can do, you know. So very, very boring. I didn't, I, I watched like a snippet here or there. But, yeah, I know it's interesting. I, I've been challenged to do that a lot. And then have you heard of the, what do they call it, the YouTube Knife Makers Challenge? Um, happened a little bit ago where they made a guillotine. Yeah. Guillot yeah. So they, they, I feel bad. I haven't responded. They started asking me about that way back in the day. And I never even responded. And now they asked me again because the next one coming out is going to be a Bowie knife. And uh, when did they say? Well, I think in October they want to release them. And <clears throat> I don't know. I feel bad. And I, what they said is that uh, the, the, the gentleman that, that puts it all together, he said that Blackbeard Projects and uh, Green Steve, Green Beetle Knives, made special requests. I said, please beg Jeremy until he says yes. And I'm like, I, I understand the community, this and that, but you know, I'm not a competition guy. Oh, I am. But if, if I'm going to compete in something, it's because I really feel like I'm going to dominate it. Right? Like when I did track and field, I mean, I, I was fast. I, I don't want to say necessarily train. I did. I, I ran a lot. But when I would enter a race, I was expecting to win it. And most of the time I did. Um, you know, when I run a marathon, I'm not racing. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to see if I can run 26 miles. You know, uh, when I played baseball, I played to win. And, you know, that's, that's super competitive by nature. But if it's something like I wouldn't ever enter a competition where I know there's no chance I'm going to win or, or hey. Put a pin in that. I want to circle around, back around to that. But go ahead. No, that that's all. That's what I was pretty much done saying. I, yeah, like I, I don't feel like I need to prove myself to anybody. You know what I mean? It's like I, I, I know I can make this knife, and I'm not going to compete with you about it. Unless I mean, if there's money on the line, and if it's like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to win this. But I don't know. You know, you get you get especially when you leave it to the audience. Um, and there's a lot of, <laughs> based on some of the comments that I get, there's there's a lot of people that aren't really smart enough to be voting on what makes or doesn't make a good knife. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, to leave it to an audience to vote on, man, that's like, wow. Ugh. Can any of those people that are voting on this actually do or even really fully understand what's being done enough to cast judgment on it? And I would say, I would say no. For the most part, no. I think that the, the percentage of people that watch knife making videos that can actually make a good knife and understand the process to a level that's good enough to judge others, I say you might have you might be at ten percent. So I'm kind of like, nah. 
Well, why why subject yourself to to ninety percent of the people? Ninety percent of the people that are going to be judging have no clue what they're talking about. Yet they get to cast a vote. <laughs> you know, uh, well, it's kind it's kind of like letting millennials <clears throat> vote for two politics. things. Here's my thought on two things, and well, one thing, and then I want to go back to my, the the pen holder. Um, is it as much about this competition, or is it really a way for uh, smaller and up and upcoming uh, YouTube knife making channels to piggyback of a uh, knife making channels with huge numbers. Yeah, and it's try to build that. the community as a whole. And that's an altruistic way of looking at it, but I'm sure that's what the guy's intent is. Yeah, but because really no one. The falling popularity of a certain TV show uh, shows that, you know, people don't give a rat behind about watching four people make a knife and, oh, which one's better? Yeah. When it's completely, utterly staged on that TV show, I'm sure it's not on the YouTube videos, but on the TV show it is. Yeah, no, no, 100%. 90% of the time, and I and my wife can back it up, 90% of the time, as soon as the four people walk out and introduce themselves, I can tell you who's going to win. Yeah. I can tell you who's going to be the first out and who's going to win. Yeah. And 90% of the time, I'm correct. Yeah. No, I would I would go so far as to say that Forged and Fire is a hoax. Well, I, you know I showed you one thing or talked mm -hmm. to you about one thing I was trying to do a video about, but I can't figure it out with the technology at my fingertips. Yeah. Um, that... It was completely staged that the kill test was staged. The dummy had already been cut open, packed with additional blood packets on somebody's, you know, on just one of the competitor's blades. Yeah. The other guy had the normal dummy. Mm -hmm. And even Bullshit. like, I, yeah. sorry, but that's what it is. No, for sure. And we even talked about one example where he's going to slice this, uh, this pig in half. And as he slices it, he comes like this in the last second. He puts the blade broadside. And yeah. all you do is just Google it, and you see the bait. And it's like, oh, really? No, you there is a guy that stupid? did a mashup of all of the Doug Markita knife twist, you know, just slight yeah. turn of the wrist. Yeah. It might not be hitting at 90 degrees, but it's just enough where it's going to twist, you know, and, yeah. and really affect the results of the, yeah. the cutting test the little, kill yeah. test. A little laceration in there, so it looks like, yeah, it's uh, okay. So it did cut it, but it didn't cut cleanly through. It's like, it is, yeah, I, I'm going to go on the record and say that Forged and Fire is a hoax. Now, I think it's great. I, I think it does great things for uh, people's interest. I, I think it's an, an entertaining show to watch, but man, what a joke. My and favorite, that, that, absolute favorite competitor off of Forged and Fire back when it was actually more realistic in the first two seasons. And some of the competitors will tell you that. The only thing they disagreed with was not being able to control the heat treat of their own knife. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, and this individual was sometime during the 2020 um, flu epidemic, uh, she was uh, a pandemic. 
It's a pandemic. It's no, serious. Epidemic. It's, it's anyway. a pandemic. <laughs> Be scared, uh, Todd. And it's not the Be flu, scared. sorry. I don't want to I don't want to offend anybody's sensibilities. Uh, it's scarier than the flu. It's called COVID. Snowflakes be gone. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh anyway, she was interviewed and uh she's like the show did absolutely nothing for me. I'm a farrier. I yeah. you know, <laughs> I do yeah. high-end rodeo horse stuff, you know. Yeah. It did, you know, nothing for my business now she has done some knives based on her winning knife you know she'll remake that knife mm. and then sell them for a ton of money you know because yeah. there are people out there that are well beyond my ability to collect knives um and that's saying something yeah uh, it is <laughs> <laughs> you know because you know I, i'd rather have you know a thousand thousand dollar knives and these people are you know well, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I would if I had the money, and it was going for a charity auction or even in her pocket auction, I would rather pay twenty grand for one of her knives. Yep. Based on the quality and the end result of that knife, than what Alec was getting for his crap. Hmm. Anyway, uh, I digress. Um, so yeah, she was saying, you know, it did nothing for me. Uh, but when she went back recently, you know, first two seasons, she was a champion, came back, was a champion of champions. And then, you know, three or four years later, they have her back. Uh, and she didn't win that one, but she was down to the, uh, she won the first one out anyway. Um, and you could tell she just wasn't, her heart wasn't in it anymore. Just Cause the, the show's completely, utterly changed um they tell you what to say or how to say it oh can you do this can you drop this and look like an idiot on camera you know whatever hmm. and then she says i don't really appreciate them beeping me every five minutes when i don't curse and that was something that um uh, mr hoffman got mad at too because his grandma watched the show that's funny and uh he's religious he doesn't cuss and they made him look like he does a lot and he wow. said Screw you guys! I'm never coming back. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because, uh, like, the whole knife making thing is uh, the bubbles popped, right? Uh, it's decreasing in popularity. I, th I think, I think it was good and healthy because I think previous to, I, I don't know, maybe like the last ten years, uh, I, only like serious knife aficionados understood custom knives or even knew where to go about to get a handmade knife or even the concept of a handmade custom knife. Um, but now, I mean, it, it seems like, Oh, you tell people a knife make, Oh, cool. Yeah. And it, it's not something that people are, I remember in the first bit is like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to start my knife making business. Like, what do you mean? It's like, I'm making knives. I'm like, what? Now you tell people, I was like, Oh, that's cool. But I, th I think it's done, you know, talking to the guys at Metal Supermarkets, uh, one of the guys that worked there, he's like my buddy, Michael. And uh, I was asking him, I said, so he's still selling lots of tool steel? Because, you know, I, I field questions from people all over and, and lots of people like, hey, I'm in Calgary, where can I buy some steel to make a knife? And I'm like, go to Metal Supermarkets, you know, not sponsored, but uh, they have a one tool steel and it's a great beginner steel. 
you can get a good achievable edge with minimal fancy equipment. And um, he said, yeah, no, we're hardly selling any of it anymore. He said it used to be like we couldn't keep it in stock, but he said, I think people are done making knives. <laughs> and, and it's interesting for him to even notice that, you know. But Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you're listening, Metal Supermarket, I can attest for the, the that uh, Jeremy does send everybody who asks over to you guys. So, you know, you might want to sponsor him. Or just our podcast, Can Am Soup. Five grand an episode per yeah. person. It, because cool, you know. not only is this applicable in Canada, but they've got <laughs> locations in the United States and Mexico. So mm. there you go. You know, I, th- I think Metal Supermarket should be, uh, yeah, definitely be the sponsor of Can Am Soup. That'd be a good idea. Yeah. Probably, it's probably worth six listens a week, don't you think? <laughs> you know, as long as they don't listen... Or try to, or try to <laughs> censor us. I don't care if the Communist Party wants to <laughs> sponsor me. Give me no. the money and shut up. Yeah. But, yeah. But you... Let me go back to the pin. Okay, the pin. Yeah. Um, competition isn't for competition, right? Mm-hmm. If you are a high-level athlete, get that out of your head. Champion of the world. Mm-hmm. One of the champions of the world in MMA said, I'm here to fight the best fighters in the world. I'm here for the competition. A former champion who's you know retired now said, are you stupid? No. You fight the best guys you can that are just below your ability to whip their butt. You make a good payday, and you keep going longer. Yeah. You don't fight guys that can whip your butt. Are you stupid? <laughs> yeah, I guess how you look at it. But if you follow this other guy's recipe, the fans get a good show. Yeah. The, a really good champion that keeps butts in the seat and pay-per-views being purchased. Mm-hmm. So the company wins. The fans win. The fighter keeps getting big paydays. And the not quite as good as the champ guys get a good payday, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which they wouldn't ordinarily get. That's true. You know, you get mid-card guys. Now that they're in the main event, instead of getting... 20 grand for fighting they're getting 250 grand and um if you get fight of the night both fighters get it you know if Mm -hmm. you get knockout of the night only the guy who does the knocking out gets it you know but yeah yeah um and as we learned last weekend or two weekends ago you know 50 grand can change somebody's life Mm -hmm. when you're eating when you're living hand to mouth uh, trying to live your dream, you got you have a family, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then young lady goes out, does a tremendous fight, and then Dana White says, here's 50 grand for fight of the night, and she falls into a heap on the floor crying because 50 grand just changed her life. Now she can go home and pay her mortgage. Hmm. You know? I didn't see that, but that's cool. It is. Um, hmm. But anyway, you know, just get over yourself. Don't fight for your ego. What does your ego pay for you? You know, what yeah. bills do, can you write ego on the check? Yeah. 
you know, can you go to the store and buy meat with ego? No. Um, you need money to do that. So if you're a high-level athlete or any profession, you keep your ego in check. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Um, now, you know, there are times when, you know, your mouth's going to write some checks uh, when you're out on the PR circuit that, you know, you're going to have to get in the ring and see if you can cash them. Because mm-hmm. if you have that much testosterone or estrogen flowing through your body, you're going to get caught up in the moment in a press conference and say something you might not ordinarily say. And then your opponent's going to be like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. It's on. Yeah. Like Donkey Kong, and you you might get knocked out. Yeah. And see, those are the types of competitions I like where, and I know I know that fighting is always judged, but generally it's it's not like it can, well, everything can be rigged, but, you know, say you have something like uh, figure skating comes to mind because <laughs> I think it seems to be one of the most corrupted sports that's ever been judged. Um, right behind boxing. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, yeah I, figure skating was horrible. Yeah. See, I like competitions where this person is directly competing against this person. And it's like, like you say, if you, if you knock somebody out, there's, there's no uh, debate whether or not you won the fight. Now they might go on this and they might go blah, blah, blah. But it's like, listen, I was the last one standing in the ring, right? The judges can't do there's only so much. I mean, especially with all the camera angles nowadays, the judges can't make up things like, oh, well, you you the whatever, you know. <laughs> they just did last week. <laughs> did they? I don't I don't oh, follow man. fighting much. <laughs> it was hilarious, but I mean, it was sad for the guy who lost, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, I got a question uh, for you, kind of pertinent. Well, not to this timing, but the timing that's just passed. Is there any sports... Uh, from the Olympic Games that you'd never really watched before that you're like, hey, this is kind of interesting. Is there anything kind of new pop out to you this year or no? No. Or did, did you even watch the Olympics, Todd? No, I watched some of them. Um, in fact, ladies' judo finals really um, was a uh, uh, laugh so hard your belly hurts the next day kind of competition. Huh. That's funny. Um, and you know, in fact, well, according to the Olympics, if you watch that, the finals, the defense in a judo fight is to be morbidly obese. No, (laughs) so I think which actually kind of makes sense, but. You know, yeah, my kids were telling me. If about I can't that. pick you up. I can't throw you. I can't. Yeah. practice judo. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, my kids were telling me about that. They're like, "This person was so fat, she couldn't do anything, but the other person couldn't do anything to her." That's funny. Well, they were both obese, but one was Cuban, so she was more obese, and then the Japanese lady was obese for a Japanese lady. And every time, you know, the Japanese lady would try to throw the Cuban lady. They would just both fall down. Yeah. And because there was an effort made, the Japanese lady got the point, even though it wasn't uh, successful. Hmm. And I'm like, how? Yeah. That's crazy. I won't tell you what I said in my living room on this podcast because it's completely 
Even I would say, man, that was wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, it, it you, like you know two mentally deficient midgets. <laughs> I don't want fighting, to talk about that. Don't want to, don't want to go there, Todd. You know how I feel. <laughs> Come on, just for a short time. <laughs> <laughs> well, just be a, just, no, no. <laughs> One of the funniest segments on anything ever recorded in the history that, of mankind. That was a funny one. <laughs> Highly offensive, but hilarious. And sometimes that's what it takes. <laughs> Every time I think about it, I still cry laughing. I know. That's funny. Um, so do you know what, you know what Valodrome is? <laughs> Todd, come on. How many? You said you're just going to think about that for a little while. <laughs> it's been more than a little while. <laughs> Need to move out yeah. of it. Uh, did you know what velodrome is? Who? Velodrome. No. So, you know, like bicycle track racing where they got that big oval track with the banked sides? Yeah. That's that's a velodrome. Oh, that's what okay. it's called. Uh, kind of like NASCAR on bicycles. And like that, they only ride fixed gear bikes. Which is, I mean, I love fixies. That's kind of where it all came from. Uh, but it's interesting because there's a lot of different types of races. And so I started, it was towards the end of the Olympics. I think it was on like the last Friday. Uh, you know, there's one race where there'll be like 30 start. And they do one lap that's just like uh, where they kind of put themselves in position. And one lap is a sprint. And I th- and basically it's like a 30 or something lap race. And the way it works is that, so basically one lap, people are trying to put themselves in a position or if they feel boxed in, they'll try and get into a different spot. They're all going around in this pack. It's kind of like NASCAR and bicycles. And then when the horn goes, they have to do one sprint lap. And the last person to cross the line at the end of that sprint lap gets eliminated. So it's this race where you start out with 30 and you literally end up with one. And it's really cool. Uh, so we were watching that. And then there's another one. And Canada actually won the gold for the the women. I don't know what it's called. Like some, there's all, every type of racing on a velodrome has the same name. But basically, uh, it's a best of three competition. I think it's like based on your performance times, who goes first. Uh, there's two riders. One's in the front, one's in the back. It's a three-lap race. And the way that it works is that they kind of ride around really slow for the first lap or two. And the person at the back wants to put a surprise attack on the person in the front. Because obviously the person in the front is leading the race. They start out in front. But the idea is that the person in the back can force the other, either try and get in front of the other person, like with one lap left. Or they can, you know, start at the beginning of the race going hot and the person in the front will be going hot and they'll just draft them, right? Stay right behind them and draft and then attack at the end. And so you can win the race no matter where you are, whether you start in front or you start in the back. But it is very interesting because they'll literally, they'll go around the, the velodrome, like barely moving, like almost as slow as you could bicycle. And the person in the front is staring back at the person at the back. And the person at the back is kind of just being a little snaky and, you know, slinking around and faking a move here, faking a move there. See if they can get this person to bite. Oh, it was really cool. It was really interesting to watch. Something I never knew anything about, and uh, once you kind of figure out what they're doing, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's like all strategy, strategy, and then the end, it's just like a, a death sprint, as fast as you can go, you know? It's kind of cool. That was one, uh, I don't lost, watch a lot of Olympics, but it's always kind of fun to try and find one weird sport that you don't know much about, and then try and figure it out so you can enjoy watching it. Like, I'd like to learn what cricket's all about. I watch cricket and it looks so stupid to me, but I'm sure if I just knew the rules, I'm like, oh, okay. Now you can get into it. No. 
It's still boring. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so popular, though. So many people, I mean, people love cricket all over the world. It's one of the most popular but sports played. But only in played. former empire nations. Ugh. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Um, it's like soccer. Ew. I, I, I don't like watching soccer, but I, I like playing soccer. It's a fun game. Now, to all you soccer fans out there that are, you know, screaming at your phone right now, uh, I don't like football either, so. Yeah. You don't like watching football? I don't like American football. I, you know, right now the only sport I follow is Formula One racing. So, hmm. You know, I grew up watching sports, but I've lost them over time because, um, well, one, the NFL as an organization – suck so you know i just no yeah I, uh, I feel and as the as i got older not older as in being old but you know not a child anymore and you and you live in a town that has a sports team an nfl team and then you learn that oh wait they make hundreds of million dollars a year in revenue and the taxpayers of the town still have to buy your stupid stadium. Uh, stadium. Yeah, you know, I know. You know, no. I uh, know. We were uh, talking about that this week because, like, the Calgary Flames are building a new arena, and they're talking about how much <clears throat> it's going to cost taxpayers. I'm like, there is I heard they were going to change the name just by adding an R to it. How do you mean? It's going to be the Calgary Flamers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it should be. It should be. Well, actually, you know what? Good news is. Uh, so, you know, the Seattle Kraken, the new team that came up, uh, they kind of did an expansion draft. And so basically every team could protect a certain number of players, but they had to leave. I, I don't know exactly, but it was something along the lines of two defensemen had to be available for them. Uh, two forwards, two, but uh, they could protect most of their team, but they had to be able to leave some of these guys. And then the way it worked is that they could kind of pick, you know, guys are already playing in the NHL, already on teams, and they go, and... The captain of the Calgary Flames, and I would use that term extremely loosely when I talk about the person that wore the C on the badge, uh, Mark Giordano, he got taken by the Kraken. So he is gone, and I'm so excited because he is a pacifist nincompoop. And hockey is still a sport where you need an alpha male. You need the biggest alpha in the room to be your captain. And Mark Giordano is just like a little <laughs> good hockey player. Yes. Good defenseman. Yes. People say he's probably in the top five defenseman in the NHL, but he is not a leader. And there's, there's so people seem to be so confused about leadership these days. You know, you know, oh, yeah. people oh, yeah. getting into politics real quick here. Uh, chances are, well, a lot of people are saying that Justin Trudeau is going to uh, call for another election in the next week, which he'll probably win, which is terrible. The reason that he will win is because the Conservative Party, I don't know if you follow Canadian politics, but our Conservative Party, their leader that they elected in as the leader of the party, guess what his first name is? Justin. Aaron. Oh. Guess how it's spelled? E-R-I-N. That's the, that's, that's the female way of spelling it. I mean, it, it just is. Like, I know boys do too. Guess what his last name is? And you'll understand exactly why this right. party won't lead. His name's O'Toole. O uh, apostrophe Tool. So Aaron 
O'Toole. So it's what? an Irish redhead female. Uh, he's blonde. <laughs> but round little face, you know, talks like a great little politician, but he's not a leader. And the same thing with the last guy that we had. Oh, his name isn't in my head. But, you know, he, he had dimples for Pete's sakes. You can't have a, a leader with dimples. You look like a baby. And people have lost the concept of what leadership is. And there is a certain point where if you want to be the leader that has the public face, right? Like if, if people are going to see you make speeches and I don't care how liberal minded you are, how soft you are, how confused you are about your own identity. Every human being, if they look at a really strong a uh, clear-eyed, intelligent-looking person that has a very strong face, they will think of him more as a leader than somebody who's got round little face, a higher voice, and dimples. And I don't care how messed up your brain is, how or whatever. That's just the way that the human being reacts. And you'll never win politics with somebody like Aaron O'Toole. Or, I, oh shoot, I don't even... See, he's so important. The last leader of the, the Conservative Party, I don't even remember his name. <laughs> you know? But it's like, it's, stop, stop electing these little boy, boyish-faced, soft men. Get a man up there. Get somebody who's big, who's strong, and I literally mean physically big and physically strong. Now, square-jawed. You can have one of those traits, but not all of them. Not even two of them. Is when he was younger, Winston Churchill had the most boyish little face ever. Um, not when he was older, obviously, but when he first got into politics, I'm sitting here looking at it right now. Um, he had such a cute little boy face. Yeah. Now, he was still, you know, at that time, he wasn't all fat and hunched over, but yeah. Um, but he was a political genius. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. And and like Justin Trudeau, uh, can't stand the guy. But when I, if you were just to do a, a and I, some people are like, oh, he's so dreamy and good looking. I would say, you know what? He's he's got a square jaw, and he. It's sad to say it, but he looks more like somebody who would lead than Aaron O'Toole. And whether people believe it or not, that has a lot to do with it. You know, you you can't get some little. Ugh. I, I just wish people would realize what, and, and it's not just that, right? Like I would never vote for Justin Trudeau because I can't stand the guy and I think he's evil. But put somebody against him that could at least compete on the looks level. Because if you can win that, then you can win all these uh, people of less substance or people that vote emotionally or just, because eh, a lot of people do that. There's not, there's not that many people that are actually smart in society. Most people are idiots. And if they see, oh, a leader, oh, I like the way this person looks. Oh, cool. You know, Obama looked like a leader. The way he carried himself, the way he spoke, an amazing orator, right? I always feel like I, what, his policy, whether I agree with him or not, man, tempting to give him my vote just because of the way he carries himself, the way that he speaks. I'm like, wow, this guy's good. Now, do I agree with what he's saying? No, but man, is he good, right? Like, like that is that has so much to do with leadership. And you look at these other people that... Even Justin Trudeau, I, I, when I hear him talk, I'm like, oh, not following this guy. We are going to take away all guns. No, sorry. He's, he's not a leader. But it's better than anything the, the Conservative Party puts out. Anyways, didn't mean well, to get off on this rant. 
way back when, in a land far, far away, in the 80s, and when Obama was but a young guy, and he was a city organizer, and you know, community organizer, he was told, you need to study great political speakers because you suck. And he did. And it didn't matter what their political affiliation was. He studied people who could speak. If you close your eyes and you hear his his, uh, countenance when he's speaking, you can tell who he studied. Hmm. He studied a lot of Reagan. Hmm. A lot. Hmm. But, but it sure it, it you know it sure makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, you know like, Reagan like, had things to say and said them well. Obama had crap to say but said it well. Mm-hmm. So just saying. And, and then you, Donald Trump. I, I you know, uh, <laughs> I, I think a, there's a just, lot of stuff I like about him, but I see why people would never vote for him. Like, dude, man, you are so you. Uh, you could have won again. You could have done so well if you would just shut up. I am scratching my head constantly um, of why he was so popular. Take okay, take a take out who he was running against, right? Yeah. All he did, in reality, not in people's imagination, not what he said he did, what he actually did was act like a junior high school kid on the playground calling people names. Yeah. When he got into, when he was elected and I was in the administration, so don't tell me I'm wrong people. Uh, he didn't really do squat of all. Mm-hmm. He didn't hurt much, but he didn't do much. And then what he did hurt was things that the rights allegedly believed in, mm-hmm. you know, Mm-hmm. He hurt gun con- he hurt the second amendment more than Obama did in 8 mm-hmm. years. Wow. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it conservatives. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You call yourself that. You don't even know what it really is. You don't know. Just stop it, people. Yeah. You're like, "Oh, look at him. He carries himself." Well, no, he doesn't. He was a fat, dumpy comb over. Yeah. I know. <laughs> he looked he looked like an uh Soft serve vanilla ice cream cone. Yeah, totally. He, and, like he uh, he's a guy that say if I were uh, at a golf course and I saw him get out of his car and come up and and pay for a round of golf, I would lean over to my boys and be like, "Check out this!" You know what I mean? Like I would literally make fun of him. And it's, it's wrong. Yes, of course it's wrong. I shouldn't be doing that, but it's funny, you know. And it's like, man, you you think you're gonna get people to listen to you? Y- like your image, your image very important exactly what i was talking about before like you need to look like a leader you know yeah you you need to what we need right now is the political mind not necessarily the ideology but the political mind of reagan Mm -hmm. the charisma of clinton Mm -hmm. and the the if you want somebody to be brash you don't want Trump. You want Margaret Thatcher. Mm-hmm. You know, she had things to say, backed it up with facts, just not name calling, but she said it loudly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't afraid for good or ill 
you know, to fight for what she believed in. Yeah. Now, was she always right? Absolutely not. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's like, well, you know, I had to do the Falklands. No, you didn't. You really didn't. Yeah. Did you invade Ireland? Because they were fighting you, too. Yeah. Well, but, but, look, you're very inconsistent. You thought the Falklands was going to be a cakewalk and put somebody back in line, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, it's it's so hard, hey? Like if We had a... A good conservative or a really good uh, libertarian candidate in either country with the charisma of Clinton. Oh, you know, hey, come on. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, that was crazy. But just the charisma, not the... (laughs) Everything else. Not the sexual assaultness. Yeah. Yeah, and then who's it? The Como stepped down because of alleged uh, uh, assault. Yeah, listen, you you know, I heard him say pathetic. Nowhere did I ever think that I was crossing the line, but I just didn't know where the line was. <laughs> so when he says that, he says I don't have any moral boundaries. I don't know where my moral boundaries are. I don't know what's right, and I don't know what's wrong. Wow. He's a, one, he's a degenerate, mobbed-up New York politician. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me what anybody said about him. He's capable of it, you know? Yeah. And I'm waiting on his, right. at least one, if not more, of his accusers have said, his brother was there with him doing it. So, okay, when are they going to fire him? Yeah. When are they, when are the uh, ultra left-wing people in the journalist journalism community going to pick it for his removal? Yeah. You're no kidding, eh? It's crazy. It's, uh, it's crazy. And then, um, How's your guys' COVID situation going on? Since we're on controversial topics and subjects, just give this a little dusting. Has uh, any new mandates or anything for you guys? Not for us. Um, That's good. We're in a little weird part of the world. The only controversy here in this state is related to the school system. Mm. And... Which I don't understand because you open up all the theme parks and kids can go out and hang out in the movie theaters, the theme park. <laughs> They've been in daycare all through COVID. Uh, so why is school different? Yeah. Uh, you know, and yeah. I've got, we know, I know some people that are just anti everything I believe in with COVID. You know, they think everything. Um, Fauci says is true and blah, blah, blah. I asked them that same question and they're all they could say, oh, shut up. Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, so the best retort of a learned mind is, you yeah, shut up. <laughs> That's right. So you know who you're dealing with. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so we're like, I think we talked, maybe we didn't, but we're wide open here. I think we did, yeah. Yeah. But uh, apparently, and I don't, apparently there's like 500 new cases a day in Alberta. <laughs> so. I mean, which is shocking to me because everybody was opening up and Alberta was, you know, locked down under the iron fist. Now everybody else is starting to shut down. So Alberta's like, okay, no, all, now. See, all of Canada was locked down with an iron fist. Alberta was like one of the last ones to lock down. Manitoba has vaccine passports. And so I forget what, I think Quebec does too. And so if they'll have a concert or a, a, an event, but the only way to get in is if you can prove your vaccination, right? which is 100% against the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. I have a right to medical privacy, right? And I don't know why people aren't just freaking out about this. Whether you believe in, even if you believe that everyone should be vaccinated, so yes, you should get your vaccines, but there's no way on earth you should ever have to prove it to do something that's uh, on a human scale, a human level, right? But basically, if, if you can't prove something that's private medical information about you, you are less of a human being. That is violation of human rights. It's ridiculous. People don't see it. People are too freaking retarded to see it anymore. It's like, I just drink COVID Kool-Aid. <laughs> Man, people are dumb. Dumber than an entire bag of rocks. I don't know. I'm, I, I kind of lean towards the government can't make you do any of that stuff at all, ever, under any circumstance. Mm-hmm. If you want to come into my private business, I can make you only walk on your left foot if I want. Yeah, but... It's it, my private mm-hmm. property, some bitch. If you want to come into my business, only walk on your left foot. Right I know, foot but, touches, you're out of here. I know, but that's degrading people then. What if you tell so? people that... Yeah. Again, my private property. Yeah. You don't have to come in here. There are other businesses hit the bricks. I don't know. See, that's it's, no, but the thing is, it's not that. Simple. I have to say it that way because there can't be any, any exceptions. Otherwise, you have to make the gay birthday cake. Yeah. I, I just, no, not happening. Yeah. It's, uh, man, that's such a tricky line. I know it was a wedding cake, people. Get off my back. <clears throat> So what if, but then, then at, at what point, at what point can you discriminate against race and against sex? Well, right? you're just having you walk on a healthy left foot is not a protected status. Okay, but what if my if left it's not foot- race, color, creed, national origin is not a protected status. Get over yourself, Americans. What if my left foot was blown off in a landmine while fighting in Afghanistan? To save the United States of America. Well, sit in your little wheelchair. Your left foot's still not touching my floor. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what you mean. It's, uh Yeah, and, and like, I'm, I'm that way too. Like, so, you know, before the, it was a, like a mandated mask, um, we would, we went to this uh, Cross Iron Mills, a huge shopping center. And we went into this one shoe store and they said, put a mask on. They said, well, no, we don't have to. Said, it's our store. You, to, for this store, you have to. And we said, can we see your official company policy? And it's like, our manager says, if you don't have a mask on, you have to get out. And it's like, okay. So we left. Yeah, and, then, and they're right and you're right. Yeah. You know, good yep. to go. Yeah, and at the same time, there is a jewelry store and they've been in a lot of trouble about this, but it, you're not allowed to wear a mask in the store. 
And I'm like, good for them. They said, you know what? No, if, absolutely. 100%. It, it, we have stores here like that. Yeah. And it's like, for security reasons, I want to identify this person. There's high, it's a freaking a jewelry store, right? Yeah. Where are you going to rob? Where are you going to get a big old bunch? What's what's 10 or 20 grand that's easy to pick up? Gold and diamonds? Yeah. So I want to make sure I can identify you. And it says, no masks, no sunglasses. Makes exactly. Sense. No legitimate. I mean, they're, they're using a legitimate reason. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they should have to. No. If you don't want masks in your store or if you want masks in your store, as long as it's a privately held company on private property, you have a right to do that. Well, here anyway. Um, So I'm good with it. I don't have to shop there. Here's even a more ludicrous reason. I I stopped at a car dealership last year, earlier this year, to look at a truck, and the salesman lied. She just flat out lied about something, right? Mm-hmm. Even, it's not even important what he lied about. What he lied about wasn't even important. But you lied right to me. You think I'm so stupid that I'm going to believe that about this truck. Mm-hmm. I will not buy anything ever from this dealership. Mm-hmm. I won't even drive through the parking lot to spit on your front door. You know? Yeah. Um. And that's my right. Yep, hundred percent. You know, so we were we went back to Cross Iron last weekend, and now there's zero restrictions, no regulations, no math, nothing. Like we're wide open as if COVID had never happened. And we went into uh, the store. It's called Lush, and they make handmade <laughs> soaps. Please tell me it's a liquor store. <laughs> I never, never thought. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm embarrassed, Todd. <laughs> I didn't go. I, I didn't go. My wife wanted to go into this store. <laughs> oh, being married to Jeremy's taking its toll. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, basically. <laughs> They make soaps and stuff. It's all handmade soap and skincare products, all in Vancouver or Vancouver, uh, <laughs> in case Vancouver's too offensive. Uh, but anyways, we walk in here, and Steph wanted to get. They got this. They got these really cool things. What do they call them? It's not a bath bomb. It's something else. It's like you drop a little thing and it just bubble bath basically, and yeah. um, really nice little boutique stores. Anyways, we walk in and they have one little chick acting like a Nazi and she's like, ah, did you sanitize your hands? Sanitize your hands. I'm like, no, we're good. Thanks. Like you can't get, you can't be in here if you don't sanitize your hands. And she's like, uh, sorry, what? Like, you have to sanitize your hands. Or if that hurts, we got soap in the sink over there. And it's like, uh, sorry. It was like, there's no mandates. Like, yeah, but we as a company, we want to make sure everybody sanitizes their hands. And I don't know why, but I had about like $700 cash in my pocket. Right. And so I just pulled it out like this, and I flapped it. I said, I'm going to make sure you guys don't get any of this. I put it back in my pocket and left. <laughs> and it's like, you guys can piss off, you know? Ugh. And it's this power trip. It's like, okay, I'm walking around. Uh, I got a tan on. You know, we've been running, exercising. We look like healthy human beings. We showered that day. Our teeth have been brushed. And I'm not coughing not sneezing, you know, why would you be afraid of me not washing my hands? You know, like, you know what I would, it's a power trip. 
if I would think about it, exactly what I would do in that case would have been. Shake her hand? No. I would have said, all right, just bear with me for a second. I'm not going to touch anything of yours. Pull that, all that money out of my pocket and go, do you take cash? Yes, of course. What Are you familiar with all of the environmental uh, <clears throat> uh, what's the word I'm looking for? contaminant that are on paper money mm-hmm. from cocaine to fecal matter? Mm-hmm. But you're worried about my hand being yeah. sanitized. That I eat with all the time. How like, stupid can you be and put it in my pocket and leave? Yeah. Fully and retired. I have changed my cash-only mind uh, after, because uh, I've always known that, you know, 90% of American currency has, you know, traces of cocaine on it. Hmm. Uh, but this um, recent uh, uh, increase, or recent insurgence of fecal matter on paper money. Mm-hmm. What are you doing with your money? Stop it, people. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's from everybody's sitting on the crapper on their phone, and then they take their phone, they make a phone call, and then they go get their money out, and it's just a transfer like that, right? Like, I wonder, I wonder if they did a study on how many people's phone contains uh, yes. fecal matter on it. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. and that's why. And it, um, I'm surprised we haven't had a pink pink eye pandemic yet. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm going to just gonna <clears throat> throw the thought I just had in the trash can because you just gave me a gem. It just... I learned this Wednesday while I was making the ro- the uh, Carolina pulled pork. Mm-hmm. I was listening to music, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, something popped up on my telephone, uh, and I swiped the wrong way by accident because I've just got my knuckles right to use because I got pork juice on my fingers, and uh, it went to the little news section. And hold that thought, new thought, Apple quit changing my settings and turning crap on that I've had off for two years. Mm -hmm. When you update, I don't want news on. I don't want any of that crap on, okay? Mm -hmm. So I didn't know my news was turned back on. Uh, And when I accidentally flipped to the side, right, pink eye epidemic during covid because of people sharing masks really you know like in the family car there's like your center consoles just got a bunch of masks in it yeah or your friends or whatever yeah and i just i just burst out laughing um because it was hilarious you deserve it people Yeah. yeah that's funny yeah you you know what i think is going to happen here I know, like Jason Kenny said, that they will not reclose, but I'm. And so, what they did is they shut everything down and they stopped. They literally said, We're not testing for COVID anymore. Uh, the, the province had a contact tracing app you could put on your phone. They shut that off. And 
you know, they said we're not testing for COVID. We're not like basically it's over. Anybody that comes in sick, we're going to treat as a common flu. Wow. Like, like I, when, when, when other people hear that, I don't know what is so wrong with their heads that they don't go, wait a minute. That kind of makes sense that this whole thing could have been just the flu because if this whole thing was in the name of public health and safety, and if that was the truth, it would not stop. It would not stop. You wouldn't say, oh, we're just going to stop now. And know that, you know, that, yeah, numbers are rising, but that's fine. That's also, so, so why was it health and safety before, but it's not now? Or did public health and safety, like, is that just lower on your agenda now? You just don't give a crap. Or was this whole thing about power and control? That kind of makes sense. Maybe they got the information they have. Maybe they realize that, you know what, we can only hold people under our thumbs for so long before things get really crazy. And we better just, well, leave it. but anyways. Well, I can tell you what, a particular Democratic, um, <clears throat> a Democrat politician said here in America about a week and a half ago. What's that? <clears throat> we need to open back up and all her people were like, oh, we're Democrats. We don't believe in that. No, uh, uh, hear me out. About half of the United States are fully vaccinated. Of those, the overwhelming majority are left-leaning because they believe us. They listen to us. And most of the people getting COVID now, and particularly the deaths, are all Republican. We need to open up. <laughs> I just get rid of them now. Yeah. Swear to God, that's what she said. That's funny. You know, you know what I find so funny is that you know, a couple of years ago, everybody's talking about the world health or the world population is out of control. And by year 20, whatever, whatever it is, they like, you know, of course, they like to put numbers on things because they're so intelligent that way. They know. But by that certain year, the world would no longer be able to produce enough food to feed its population. And that was a big concern. Now, if that is the case and if that is the truth, would it not make sense just to be like, okay, we're going to be screwed at some point in time. Why don't we let a, say, a natural occurring pandemic, if that's what it is, happen? Let it happen. As Tame Impala says, let it happen. And you know what? If it wipes out a quarter of our population, excellent. Now we can move that year, that 2035 or whatever number they want to put on it, we can move that back and have some more time to work on how we could uh, grow more food with the same area that we have. You know what I mean? Like, there's no logic to any of these stupid arguments that these people make. And Bill Gates, in 98, he made a comment that we're going to have to control the world population, and the best way to do that is going to be vaccination. Well, it wasn't 98, it was 2008. And people just drink this stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, COVID, wow, COVID, oh, yeah, in the name of health and safety, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Anyways, it's it's retarded. I well, like, like I said, twenty years in the American military, <laughs> being tested, given vaccines that you don't even know what they are because they're not going to tell you, and you have to take them, or you go to jail, or they just hold you down. <laughs> you know what? The COVID vaccine didn't frighten me at all. Yeah. In fact, whatever they put in me, COVID vaccine went in there and went like, ah, I got to get out of here. <laughs> Jumped out. Um, yeah. Do you glow in the dark by any chance? 
or well, not any not anymore? Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. You know, and, and yeah, I'm not a. I'm, hey, you know what? As soon as it's uh, fully developed and fully tested, like that's the part I don't get. Is that so? If I get a vaccine, I sign a thing that says if something goes wrong, I have zero legal recourse. I can't come back at them at all. And people are saying yes to this. And I understand, like my parents, are like ah, oh, whatever. We're old. Who cares? And I'm kind of like, yeah. I mean, even 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 from my standpoint, I, I mean, I don't plan on having any more children. Um, I'm not ready to die, you know. But at the same time, I, I mean, I would never let my kids get the vaccine. Like I would kill someone who tries to give my kids a vaccine, this COVID vaccine, until it's developed, until it's fully tested, fully vetted by the FDA, by Health Canada, by everything. And, uh, you know, when I take this thing, if something goes wrong, like, this is ridiculous. This is unprecedented. And people are just like, I'm scared. Stick it in me. And I understand. Like, it's like, you know, I want to travel or I want to make family members feel safe. Whatever. I I understand people have reasons for doing it. But the problem I have, when I look at myself, I really don't feel a reason to get a vaccination because I am healthy. Uh, I don't have like these other comorbidities. Uh, To my knowledge, I don't have any comorbidities. I don't have any health problems, right? I run every day. I ride bikes every day. I'm a fairly healthy person. So I'm not going to get the vaccine because I don't feel threatened by this virus. That should be okay. You know, maybe if, you know, if they want to look at it, it should be like this. If you're going to make me have uh, a, a COVID passport, I should be exempt if I'm not fat. If I'm 350 pounds, yeah, you know what? That's called a comorbidity. Obesity kills. Let's look at the facts. Smoking kills more people in 20, killed more people in 2020 than the COVID ever did. Cigarette smoke, tobacco. If we want to save human lives, if it's general population saving a population, let's make smoking cigarettes illegal. But it's not about that, right? You know, Australia is going into crazy lockdowns again. In Melbourne, they tested 88,000 people for COVID. They had 111 positive cases and one person died. He was 84 years old and he had other health underlying health problems. But they have locked down so bad. All construction projects in the entire city have shut down. All stores have shut down except those that sell the needs like groceries. And they've sectioned off different neighborhoods, like three sections, and and put barricades around them so people can't leave. You literally can't travel around Melbourne, Australia right now. Yeah. That's retarded, man. That is full-on retarded. That is where the guns come out, in my opinion. That is where you say, no, 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 stand down, stay in your lane, you little government. Yeah. It's freaking ridiculous. I'm you're just fr- waiting you're familiar for it to happen with here. baseball, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. just sent you a photo of a new shortstop. What? I just sent you a photo. I texted you a photo of a new shortstop. Oh, I don't know if I'm, Is it a midget? Todd, that is not nice. <laughs> you have violated not only my eyes, <laughs> but my phone. <laughs> you ha- and now I have to go buy a new phone. You defiled my phone. <laughs> but it is a shortstop. <laughs> You're horrible. 
<laughs> oh, Todd, you, man, you are going to be in trouble for that one. <laughs> That's funny. That's good. It's a good way to crack up, get us off the seriousness of the sniffles, the sniffleitis. Um, so my wife made me these decals. They're surly decals. You know the surly logo? Uh, yeah. So we got a vinyl cutter, and my wife just designed, kind of looked at it off the internet, did a little bit, and so she made me these things. They look dynamite. And so I'm going to put one on the swing arm of my DR650. And so it's going to say above, it's like my other bike is uh, Surly. It'll be the big Surly logo underneath. And uh, and then also I want to make ones, I, I don't know, I always want to set my motorbike up to be really offensive. Uh, so I want to have a saying that says stay and then have it safe, but you know the cross out font? And have it stay safe, but safe is crossed out and then scared underneath it. And then a graphic representation of a face mask. Just so I can offend people. I don't know why I have this uh, this overwhelming desire that I really never give into, but I always want to offend people. I want to offend people. I, you know, we don't have to wear masks. And I see these young people even wearing masks in stores still. I'm like, stay scared, pal. Stay scared. Man. Unpopular opinion. I'm actually surprised Squadcast has left us recording this long. Hey. Well, it's proof they don't listen. That's, that's true. That's true. If if, if Snowflake Squadcast uh, hasn't kicked us off their platform, they haven't listened to five minutes of one show, except last that's week. That's true. They probably only listened to last week. Yeah, and it's very inspirational. We had some good food. They got hungry and left. Going on. Yeah. Damn, no kidding. Man, oh man. Oh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, my wife did uh, a nice little like chickpea curry uh, for dinner last night. And I think that's going to go in my breakfast burrito. You know, my you know, like two tablespoons of that, the eggs, burrito, toast it. Mm. My late brother-in-law had me where I couldn't eat chickpeas for about six months. Why is that? This is what he called them. He called them <laughs> butt beans. Because they look like a little butt crack. And I'm like, yes, I had never do. seen that before. You know, it never dawned on me before. And then I saw it. I'm like, now I can't ever unsee it. That, that looks like a butt crack. Butt bean. <laughs> I'll never be able to watch a baseball game now thinking about shortstops. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, I've got a. Uh, Got a meeting today, uh, uh, probably like around noon or one or something, with one of the guys who's, uh, was he, he, shoot, he's a league advisor for our sponsoring committee for cadets, and uh, interesting guy, He's he was in the Canadian Air Force for years and years and years, retired, and uh, so anyways, I didn't ride my motorbike to that, I'm excited. I haven't, I haven't, I don't know if I've ridden my motorbike once this week, oh, I think I did once. I don't know, but you know what? With that bike, I like I've never actually got out on a on a ride where it's like, oh, you know, I got two hours. Let me just go ride my motorbike. It's always been to do something, and by something meaning a store to go to or pick up something that we bought on online classifieds. And I've, I think I'm almost pushing six thousand kilometers since I got that bike. That's pretty good. 
Oh my! For errands. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of replacing. I mean, I mean you could have ridden it twice it. for all I know, and you live 3,000 kilometers from town. But. <laughs> yeah, no. No, but uh, you know, the, the goal with that bike was to replace trips with my car. First of all, it's more fun to ride a motorbike. Second of all. Well, that's mighty green of it's you. It's more fun to ride a motorbike. What's that? So that's mighty oh, green it is, it is. of and, you. Yeah, and I figured it out. For me to – well, mind you, our gas prices are going up so fast that, uh, I mean – Airplanes couldn't keep up with them when they're ascending. But we, uh, I think when I go to Calgary and back on my motorbike, it's about five bucks in fuel, which is cheap. And my car, it'd be about 15 bucks. Like, I think I'm pushing 60 to 70 miles per gallon on that thing. It's phenomenal. That is awesome. And it depends, obviously, how I ride it. Yeah. No. And it's so fun. Oh, my word. And now, well, we're still, we got like crazy heat. It's supposed to be like we got heat warnings again. Gonna have like another couple hot days, but things are cooling down a bit, and I'm really excited to put knobbies back on, uh, and ride it like right in. My goal is to ride every every month of the year. You know, like, like I was thinking about, it. I ride a snowmobile when it's minus twenty, and, and I'll do like a six seven hour snowmobile trip. Grant, I mean, those got heated grips, but um, I I can put heat grips on my bike. I don't see why I can't ride my bike when it's like minus ten degrees out. You know, you just dress for it. And as long as the roads are fine, you have to drive a little slower because your tires will be hard, hard. <laughs> you know, you don't have the traction that you do in the summertime. But, And then what I'm going to do, my focus then, obviously, just because it's, you never know where you're going to find a patch of black ice or something. My focus will be to stay on gravel almost exclusively. And that's why I'm going to put the knobbies back on. So when we've got packages to go in, still take my bike, but I'll be taking all the gravel back roads, you know, never out on the highway. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. We're just riding the ditch if I have to. As long as there's not too much snow, I got some knobbies. We'll just yeah. roost the whole way in. Oh, good times. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> a lot more. And now. Well, about equal to the fun of a good snowmobile ride. Yep. Yeah, they are a blast. Probably um, safer than the way I drive a snowmobile. Yeah. I know, because you just got to grab the... The snowmobiles, it seems like they have to be screaming or braking, you know? There's no, like... it's With that centrifugal clutch, it's like it either needs to be accelerating as hard as it can or I need to be braking as hard as I can. No in between. <laughs> you know? It's an on-off switch. <laughs> it's not a <laughs> throttle. Yeah. Yeah, they're good times. Um, well, it used to be, it used to be what they do is it used to be a lot more common around here. Well, especially, I guess when it was like more farmers and more people that came from farms, like uh, every, I uh, was at New Year's day or New Year's Eve, like people around here is just a common place that you would go to your friend's house and you drive your snowmobile, do circles around his yard until he got out. And then you would both go to another one of your buddies' house and drive circles in their yard until you came out, until they came out, and they get twenty to thirty guys and basically tour all over the place, stop, get gas, keep doing this, and then they all wind up at a bar, have a couple beers, and then ride home. You know, but uh, yeah, now it's uh, now it's a lot different. It's like you got to go to the mountains, you got to have these big, you know, one hundred seventy-two inch track sleds, and I don't know, it's you don't see a lot of people. What I call ditch banging. 
you know, you just got this little ditch banger. It's a little snowmobile. It's not super high, kind of flat, and you just rip around the fields and have a good time. Now it seems, uh, you know, everybody's got, oh, i got to go to the mountains. i got my big truck with my sled deck on it. and I mean, that's fun, too. That's definitely fun, too, but kind of like the the casual just rip snorting around on these things. Chasing deer and coyotes, all that illegal Again, activity. the way I drive a snowmobile, the last thing I want to be doing is going down a mountain. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, uh, you know, they said all these, they do it high marking, and they try and go up the mountain as high as they can. And I don't, I don't get it. I, well, I think part of the reason is it seems there's always booze involved. Like, you know, you'll, you'll be in the mountains there. You'll stop, stop on the trail and always somebody pulls out whiskey. Like you, total strangers, they'll pull out a bottle of whiskey, you know, they have a couple swigs, pass it to you and pass it around. And, and then we wonder why so many people die from avalanches. <laughs> you know, I was, I was up in Fernie once and, you know, we were getting up above the tree line. And I'm not a mountain man, not not by any stretch. Uh, but, you know, you try and learn a little bit. You kind of like, you know, basic avalanche awareness pamphlet. And you read it. And I look up there. I'm like, that doesn't look safe. I'm, I'm not going to go there. And just maybe it's because I'm mechanically inclined it. And I can see like an overhanging load of snow and the, the temperature, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going there. My buddies are like, we should go there. Let's go there. So I, I am not going over there. You guys go ahead if you want. And they're like, oh, okay, fine. We'll stick together. The guys that we had met were passing around the bottle of whiskey. They went there. <laughs> they got buried. <laughs> I mean, no, nobody died, and it wasn't bad. Like, it was a small lunch, but we saw, we heard them. And we looked up walls, and we see the snow going down. I guess one guy was a, he's about two or three feet under. Nothing bad. And they had the vest, so you pull out and inflate the vest, and, you know, and then once you're done, you deflate. Nothing serious, but they actually got caught in an avalanche. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are retards. I don't, I don't come here often. I don't know the mountains, but I made a decision not to go there because it didn't look safe. <laughs> and then they're like, it's cool, man. <laughs> Especial. Riding loud things <clears throat> in snow-covered mountains. Yeah. No. It's like swimming in shark-infested waters. Yeah. No. Yeah. No kidding. Sorry. Not happening. Yep. Look at this. We have been recording for an hour and 45 minutes. I thought it was like eight o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun, hey? It does. Yeah. No, I uh, I like our podcast. If I don't say so myself, <laughs> I, I listen to it after, like usually every Friday after it goes up. I listen to it. I'm like, man, this is a good show. <laughs> I'm gonna subscribe to this show. I like this podcast. <laughs> Dang, this might be my favorite podcast. <laughs> no, it's fun. But is there anything else uh, you would like to impart us with for this week, Todd? Or you think we kind of covered enough things? I think we probably um, kept folks away from their uh, kitchens long enough. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I think we solved some of the world. We got a good start at solving world problems. We'll pick it up again next week, maybe. And if you're listening to this in your car, uh, let me leave you with this. Wake up. You're about to wreck. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like they say, when I when I leave this world, I want to do it like my grandpa, peacefully in his sleep. Unlike See, his, now that's something unlike you can literally priest. say he, he died doing what he loved. That's right. Uh, and then unlike his three screaming passengers, <laughs> right? Fell asleep at the wheel. 
Right on. Well, thanks for listening, folks. We appreciate it. And Todd, always good chatting with you. I really appreciate it, buddy. Love it, Jeremy. Love it. Right on. We'll see you guys on the next one.